Hello, and welcome to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro, a podcast all about the Bible, theology, and all things related to the Christian faith. I'm the Ryan half of Ryan and Brian, and this is episode number 23. This week, Brian and I are talking about Bible study preparation. We both share the tools and processes we go through for our personal discipleship, as well as when we are teaching. Brian in the pulpit and small settings, and myself in a small group setting to make sure we are getting to the biblical author's true intent. Brian and I recorded this episode pretty early on when we started the podcast, but wanted to hold on to it until the beginning of the school year, as this is the time when most small groups are getting up and going again. We aren't digging into scripture this week, but we hope this episode gives you some ideas for your personal or group studies. Before we get started, if you're enjoying the podcast, would you mind leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or a review on Facebook? If that's not your thing, would you mind sharing the post about this episode or another episode you've enjoyed on Facebook or just tell a friend? That works too. We'd love to expand our audience. All right, let's jump right in. So, hey, hey, Ryan, how's it going today? I am amazing, as I always am. Welcome back to the Bistro. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. It's great to be back in the Bible Bistro. Oh, it's great to be back in the Bible Bistro. It's lively. There's lots happening. The food's incredible. (laughs) It's amazing. Have you you, anything new going on in your life? Well, no. Family's still exactly the same as it was the last time we talked. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Wife and two children. But other than that, no. No new hobbies or... No new hobbies. No, I don't think I've developed any new ones since then. Okay. Just, uh, you know, hanging out in a bistro. That's my only thing that I've been doing. <laughs> a little, doing a little podcasting. A little podcasting here and there, you know, throwing it around. Well, I thought we would do something a little bit different today. We we have been, we've talked about the Bible a lot, right? We've talked about the importance of it in the mm-hmm. past. We said that was kind of a foundational thing for our faith, the way that we read scripture. And, and one of the points of this whole podcast is to kind of, give us tools and get us to think about some things that we can do in, in reading scripture. So let me ask you some questions, Ryan. What, what, what are the contexts in which you spend time studying Bible? I mean, we do it, we do it for our own personal edification, right? Use a big fancy word, you oh, know, to, hmm. to help us grow and to build our, build ourselves up and that kind of thing. Or, you know, I should say build ourselves up, allow the spirit to build us, but yes, but uh, what, so we do it for personal growth, but what else, what, what are some other contexts in which you study the Bible? So I lead a small group at, at my church, and then we also do some stuff with the kids. We, we do some basic theology oh, stuff neat. with the kids. Yeah. So we, we, we've got a couple of books and one of the things that we've talked about, and this is a tangent about my family, is there's a tendency, and I think we've talked about this, is moralism. You know, we teach our right, kids how to right. act. It, yeah, Christi- Christianity is about doing certain things doing and not doing certain other things. things right. And so I was in ministry for, for several years, and one of the times I was working with high schools, I was doing worship ministry for high schoolers. And so we got to, I got to know some high schoolers, and they went off to college and then come back. And one of the things, and this isn't, there's no blame to go on anyone, but it was, right. you know, they were they were confronted with, when I was at home, it was easy for me to act a certain uh, way. Right. And then when they got to college, the, the world that they were encountering was very different. Sure. And that they were being pushed this way. And it was like, why, it, you know, it, trying to figure out the foundation of why they acted a certain yeah. way. It was so focused on act this way, not the foundation to, 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 for why. And so we're working with our kids kind of going through understanding like the Trinity, you know, we're introducing these things like some theological concepts for hopefully for them, you know, obviously we still 
work on how they act. That's but a war- I, I get what you're saying. Like if we're if we're somehow told to act in a particular way without any any foundation or background for why that that doesn't make sense. It's, but if there's a purpose for it, if there's you know it's it's the same with anything. If there's a purpose for which we do these things, then then it's you know it's e- e- easier for us. I don't know about easier, but it is it is more meaningful. I would say for us to live with those kind of characteristics in our life. Yep. So those are my two places, small group and my, and my family, you know, they'll kind of, so, so your church has several small groups or how does that? Yeah. I don't know the exact number, but I know there's a, the push for a lot of people to be in, in the small groups or the discipleship groups. How big is your small group or what size? So our small group, actually, when we started it a little over a year ago, we wanted to be very intentional with it. I'd, I'd been a part of some really big groups. And so this group actually only has two other couples besides Lauren, my wife and I, and we've, we had made some comments. We'd welcome another couple or two, but then like we needed to cap it at that point because it's hard in large groups to go. Like if there is something that needs to be talked about, that might be uncomfortable for some other people in the group that they've thought about it differently or kind of going, well, mm. you know, it makes it, you don't want to burn relationships because you don't sure. have a relationship with that person. And so right. for us, it was more about keeping it small so we can have more in-depth conversations, sure. be more relational yeah. in that. And so for right now, it's just six adults and then a gaggle of children. Right. It's, yeah, I think, you know, of course, small groups aren't just about Bible study, obviously, right. about about that part of it. You know, there's a lot to be said for building that, those relationships and having places where you can have genuine dialogue, not not only about theological topics like you, you've been mentioning, but also about life and, yep. you know, what's going on with this, where, where we can be honest and authentic with one another. I, you know, I think small groups are a big, you know, good thing. And a lot of churches really emphasize, it seems like these days, this, there's a huge emphasis on that. I read a book by uh, Kevin Van Hooser. Called uh-huh. Hearers and Doers. And one of the things that's been formational for me is realizing that we are called to purpose. You know, yeah. that we are that we are called to be active in the world and that discipleship sure. is not just for our own personal right. edification, that we are we are being equipped and you know, we have this the the kind of the breastplate of righteousness and the sword right. and so forth. Like there we are warriors in that. And so how do we prepare each other to be warriors for Christ in the world and ambassadors for Christ. And so trying to focus on some of that, if not just coming for us and so I can feel good about something or, you know, we're we're not just trying to do a moralistic salve on, on our lives, but like, how do I do this better? But kind of going, who, who are we, who are we, what are we called to be? And so that's kind of the focus of our group. Trying to be a part of a different kind of community that, that has a meaningful place in, in, in the world. And yeah, I think that's great. The, the, the small groups I think are important. One of the, one of the things I see though, and this, this is where I think it kind of impacts this, this podcast. And this is kind of where I wanted to get to is, you know, when you, when you have so many small groups within a, in a congregation, within a church, you know, the, the, the emphasis, you don't, like you said, if you get too many, no longer a small group. It's a, it's a class, then, right? It's, <laughs> yes. And so the, the intimacy is lost. The ability to have good communication is lost. But the difficulty is, you know, let's say you have a, a church of maybe maybe even, five, let's say, 500, and your goal is to get, you know, 70% of them in a, in, a, in a group, and then those groups are only supposed to be maybe at the most 10 people. That's a lot of leaders yes. for that particular ministry or that that particular aspect of your your congregational life that you're going to need, and and that's where I think sometimes the 
the system can break down is, is because it's it's a difficult thing to be a good leader mm-hmm. of a small group. It occurred to me though, Ryan, we probably have some people who are listening to this podcast that may be small group leaders or they may have Sunday schools that they're they're teaching or you know that, that might be why they're interested in these kind of topics. So I, I wanted to ask you, because I, I don't currently do a small group. I, I teach a Sunday school class, but let me ask you as a small group leader, how do you prepare? And I, again, I understand there's different aspects to the small group, but but you guys, do you guys go through like books by authors or do you go by through a, a book of the Bible or you do different kinds of things? We, we do kind of different kinds of things. What we did last semester, the end, mid 2020, we did the book of Hebrews. Okay. And so we just went through the book of Hebrews a uh, chapter at a time, sometimes smaller than a chapter at a time, because there's a right. lot to di- to digest in there. And so, yeah, Hebrews is a pretty dense book, really. A lot, yeah, lot well, we, yeah. So it was it was a really good time for us. I'd encourage the group the beginning of 2020 that we and we did along with them is read a day by day Bible, a chronological day by day Bible. Oh, okay. And so they'd finished the Old Testament by the time we kind of got into Hebrews. And so it was this, it was we had a really great conversation. Right. But we did Hebrews, and then this year we're doing a book and we're doing Core 52 by oh, okay. uh, by, yeah. by Mark, Mark Moore. Moore. And so that's brought some really interesting conversations as well. Okay. So so uh, the chronological Bible, I just I'll just mention that we've talked about this in, in another episode, I think, but but you know the Bible's not laid out in chronological order. It's it's right. you know you, it's not like a story where you read it from beginning to end. Uh, but the chronological Bible is really interesting because it kind of puts it in narrative form, you know, so it's, so you're getting, this comes first and this comes second. And, and of course there's even parts of the Bible that are, that are repetition. So, you know, you get. <laughs> yes. So I, I learned a lot about the chronological Bible. You know, I'd not read a chronological, we'd started in the past, like a day by day Bible, which yeah. where it was like, oh, here's Genesis, then here's a Psalm, and then here's something right. from the New Testament. And I personally hated it. Like you saw, <laughs> I just, you, you, well, you don't see any narr- narrative. It's like, I'm reading words to say I'm reading words. And so chronological started great. And then we got into the Kings and Chronicles, you know, and it's, right. uh, there's some repetition there, you know. Even one, Isaiah, parts of uh, Isaiah yes. are mirrored in Chronicles and, yeah. and first, second Kings. Very and, interesting. Yeah. Now. And what I, uh, what I did appreciate about those, like, as we started to talk about some of the prophecy mixed in prophecy with some of the, the actual story that's happening. And then we got to the gospels and you and I talked about this. It was, yeah. they were doing, trying like a harmony of the gospels, like oh, right, uh, Matthew, right. Mark, Luke, and John. And it was just like, I don't think the gospels are supposed to be like this hard trudge for us to get through, you know, reading right. about Jesus, but it was kind of a hard trudge. We need to talk about that idea of the uh, the gospels at some point. We'll we'll definitely do an episode on that or two. Yeah. But here's let me ask you this Ryan. So you're the leader and so I'm just talking about like when you went through the book of Hebrews. Let's talk about that. What kind of things do you do as a, as a leader in order to prepare yourself to teach or to, I guess you're not really teaching per se, but to, to, to lead through a particular part of the book of Hebrews, what, what would you do to prepare when you're, let's say you're going to read chapter three or whatever, what would you do? to prepare? Yeah, for me, and this has become a practice for me in the last couple of years is if I'm going to be teaching out of a book of the Bible, I try to, for a while beforehand, read the entire book all the way through. And so, you know, not just looking at the chapter, and not just looking at the paragraph, but kind of going, where does this fit in the whole narrative structure of right. of this book? And so one of my practices has been to be, if it's a longer book to go, I'm going to read this in a, a couple days and then read it again sure. and read it again and read it again. So I understand yeah. at least where chapter three falls into this right. arc of the story of what Hebrews yeah. is trying to say. Yeah, I think that's very important. I think that's something we've lost sometimes in, in not every church, but there, there are certain places where 
you know, you, you hear a passage out this week, a passage out of the book of Romans. And the next week you get something out of the book of, um, you know, Hebrews. And then the next week it's something out of the book of Psalms. You know, it's, it's maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit there, but it's, yeah. it's kind of a, you know, you get these little bits and pieces and we've talked before about the fact these books were put together very intentionally as a, as kind of a unified argument or, mm-hmm. or story, depending on what kind of book it is. We talked about genre before, you know? And so I think that's a great practice, a good way to begin. You know, a lot of times when I was teaching a book of the of the New Testament, that's the first thing I have people do is to read, just read through the book. And and most people are surprised. I don't know why, but it, it, I think we feel like it, it would take a much longer period of time. You mentioned breaking up into a couple of days, but there are very few books that you right. can't read through in just, you know, just a, a few hours at, you know, at the most. Right. Yeah. Like uh, Romans is probably a 90, 90 minute to two hour read. Right, you know what I mean? And right. so, you know, I did that recently. I was reading a book and it was just like, you know, again, you're, you're catching the flow and you're seeing yeah. what's happening and you're also not missing some pieces because sure. Romans, you know, the, the, it's almost like Romans ends at chapter 11 or 12, you know, I'm like, oh, there's 13, <laughs> 14, 15, 16, there's garbage in there. But you know, like there's a whole, like there's a whole other piece there that you kind of go, wait, what does this have to do with this? How right. do I how tie this? Fit how does this yeah. fit together? And I think it gives you yeah. a better understanding. So for me, one of the first places that I start is reading it for myself. And right. also one of the ways that I do that is I also have a reader Bible, which has taken out verse numbers, taken out of this chapter. I mean, there's chapter breaks, so I know there's a new chapter, but it takes out the verse markers. I have a I have a really nice study Bible, you know, and so it's, which is great. You know, there's lots of markings on it and I can get some context sure. on this or something like that. But it's kind of, sometimes I've, I've discovered it's an impediment yeah. to me. Yeah. Again, I'm trying to figure, you know, I'm trying to figure this way. How do I get it back to what it was? You know, because a lot of yeah. times it was listening, but reading it like that. And again, for me, when I've read like a reader Bible and I've just read it over and over again, some of the words like naturally to me start to rise yeah. to the surface of like, these are, these are central themes and this is where this, the shape of the story is going. So yeah, when, when we... When we talk about the text, and and I think this is even important to say, is that's what we're t- we just mean those those words, you know that it, it's it's not all the commentary, it's not even that center line that gives you references to to other places in the Bible. It's not the the verses or anything, just just the text itself. So you start there, okay? Mm-hmm. Do you read now? Now, yeah, I know you like the the Christian Standard Version. Do you read different versions ever? Or? Yeah. So I, I so I have an app uh, on my iPad called the Takarta Takarta. Bible. I don't know. It's uh, it's an app on there. We'll that's got, that in the notes, yeah, show notes. Yeah, it's got and and you can get several versions of there. Most of the versions of the Bible sure. are maybe three ninety nine, four ninety nine, okay. seven ninety nine. And so I have like New Revised Standard Version. I have the ESV. I have the CSB. I have NIV. You know, I I've put a, a couple of them together. And and just you know, if how are things worded differently? And so I, I I do look at different versions as well because everything translates a little bit differently and commas in different places. Yeah. You know, it's it's really interesting sometimes. And then you know, for me, it's I, I look at some commentaries. You know, when especially okay. things get get difficult, or I want to make sure that I'm not. You know, I think that's always the thing is how much there are other people that have done more study than me. I'm not the smartest person right. that's ever walked into a room. Oh come on. Well, it depends on the room. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the thing with commentaries. Uh, let me let me say. Let me go back to what you, what you're saying first. I, the reason I asked about the different versions, you you always joke about. Well, I don't know. I don't know Greek. You know, you start throwing these Greek words at me, and yes. and we always want to remember that what we have in the English is a translation. These are uh, no matter what English Bible you use, it's a translation from the original languages. And if even if we don't have a good facility with Greek or Hebrew, and and 
we've, we've talked about other resources that we have that kind of help us with those things, but even we don't have a good facility with them and are able to, to translate them ourselves. When you begin to compare the different versions, I always say at least it's going to highlight some things that you need to study more in depth. Mm-hmm. You know, some things you need to look at. If you see, well, this one says this, and this one uses this word, what's the difference between these two or what's really going on? That's a good way to kind of highlight those areas that may need a little bit more uh, research. And then you get into commentaries and, you know, commentaries, there's different, I I always say there's different kinds of commentaries and and there's always, you know, every person who writes a commentary is going to have a particular perspective. Right. And and so I always say, you know, look carefully, look at the author, you know, think about where they went to school. (laughs) You know, it's pretty easy to begin to see, you know, a particular way of looking at, you know, every commentary is not, not made equally. And so, uh, uh, my mom, that might be something, a resource for us to provide sometime, Ryan, would be to maybe make a list of some some good recommended commentaries at, at different levels. Mm-hmm. I was talking about, I usually say three different levels of commentaries. There's kind of the the devotional commentary, which is more about, you know, just kind of almost preaching the text to you, almost kind right. of taking, giving, giving you something to take away from it. Then there are those kind of pastoral. intermediate level. What's that? More Like more for a pastor. Pastoral commentaries yeah. will sometimes be called, you know, where it's, yeah, something a, a, a pastor might use or a teacher or small group leader like yourself. And, and then there's, there's some that are, you know, a little bit more high level technical commentaries, we mm-hmm. could call them that, that usually are going to, you're going to have to have some understanding of uh, at least Greek and, and Hebrew, maybe a little German or French as well, mm, but, but Latin German. even, but you know, those kind of technical commentaries are really where it starts to, you know, dig deeply into the text and tear things apart and put them together in different ways and that kind of stuff. And so, so those are, those are some things that we might, we might think about yeah. uh, providing. Yeah. So after you do the kind of the big, big level, and then you, you, you try to see where it fits, then you start to read commentaries, you, you compare versions, you read commentaries. What else do you do then? Yeah, I, for me, you know, it's always, you know, trying to structure like what are the important themes here? And one of the things like especially like when we're going through the book of Hebrews is like where does this fit into the whole structure of scripture? Where does this, you know, okay, he's referencing back to okay, Melchizedek. Like right. Does anybody remember reading about, you know, Melchizedek and the line of Melchizedek? Sure. No. You know, like we just, you know, we just read this. And kind of going, okay, well, you know, it says like n- no no beginning and no end, you know, like in Hebrews right. and kind of going like, okay, what's he really trying to say? How do we understand this? So, you know, figuring out kind of just the flow of what I want to talk about, what are the major themes? And then for me, trying to figure out, you know, kind of a flow of what did you see that jumped out for you in this scripture? You know, trying to figure out right. how I want to teach that lesson, but more importantly, trying to think about application. You know, I start to think about application. Okay. And what I mean by application is sometimes some something is sometimes for us, like for us to, you know, what does right. this mean for me in my context? Sure. How do I live? But sometimes it's more about application of how do we, how does this inform our understanding of who God is? That's for me is one of the things that I try to do is instead of just personal application, I think we've, you know, sometimes sure. it's always like, well, what does this mean for me today? Which it does have application, right. but sometimes the application for you is it's to make you think about the nature yeah. of God differently, not how do I yeah. minister at the coffee shop better? This has to do with my, <laughs> right. This has to do with my, my preaching more, but I always, I always think in three different ways. Are we wanting, are we wanting 
people to think differently about this. That's, mm-hmm. that's kind of what you're saying. It may be a, kind of an informative, you know, this is just yeah. teaching us something that we, we need to know. This is a cognitive kind of thing. Or, or is there something that is, that is changing our feelings, I guess I would say, or, you know, that, that what's the word I'm looking for there that, that, you know, kind of change of heart, uh, change of, you know, feeling in regard to that. So sometimes, for example, it, it, the application may be that we begin to have more compassion toward, you know, a particular kind of person or, yes. you know, that, that kind of thing. And then the change of action. And a lot of times I think we only think about application in that, in that final one, the change of you action. Know, yeah. How we're, how we're acting. And again, that kind of gets into what you're saying earlier, about the moralism you know, piece of moralism. it. Moralism. Yeah. So I think it's, it's all of it together. If we haven't changed our minds or our hearts, then, then the action, you know, is, is it's going through the motions. Then it's kind of what we see criticized sometimes in scripture of doing things without really knowing why or feeling, feeling it ourselves. So, yeah. I, so I, yeah, I, I think that all that's good stuff. And yeah, I want to say, you know, one thing that you referenced incorrectly a couple episodes back, you said the red <laughs> oh, letter Bible, you said the red letter oh, yeah, Bible, it's, blue it's letter the Bible. blue letter yeah. Bible. Uh, you. you know, I did not know about the, that resource before yeah. you, you brought it up. And so I've been digging through some of that stuff where it, it connects some of the the Greek yeah. and, you know, you start to see some of the Greek underneath there. Cause again, I don't have a de- degree in Greek and I'm imagining uh, a lot of folks don't have degrees in Greek or not a de- okay. even a degree, but like, you know, several right. semesters in Greek to understand what's sure. happening there. And so that blue letter Bible.org or it, it it's a good resource. I think if you're a leader, it, you know, you need to, you know, it's, it's free. It's a, if you have internet access, it's even a relatively low graphic connection. So I think even for people who are international, I think it's a really good resource that kind of gives us a little bit more information about, about the text. And that's what I was going to say is sometimes, you know, we, we used to use this kind of phrase, the idea of word studies, and, and it's not really just that, but I, I think if we can understand the Greek word and begin to see the possible meanings, so that's called, that's called kind of the, the range uh, of meaning, we, we would say there. And, you know, what are the possibilities? That's where sometimes when we compare two versions, you'll see one takes this meaning and this takes this meaning, and it kind of draws our attention to it. You can kind of dig there a little bit more. But something we've done when we've talked about the Gospel of John, for example, we looked at the phrase, my father's house. When, you, when you're able to search and see where else that word or that phrase occurs within that book or within Scripture, that can be meaningful as well. It, it kind of helps us uh, see how it would have been understood or used in that, in that first century period, I think, also. So that's, that's uh, I think, an important, important part of that whole thing. The other thing I'll say is grammar, and, and you know, that's kind of a scary word for a lot of people, but looking at how You've you've talked about sections. Mm-hmm. You've talked about books as a whole and sections, but then also even down to the level of the word to see what kind of structure the word the 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 sentence has. So, for example, there's a command. Like if you if you say to your kids, uh, "Go to bed!" exclamation point. Right. That's a, that's a command. You know, that's different than if you you said, you know, do you want to go to bed? Something like that. It's it's a different has a different meaning to it. Mm-hmm. And, and so when we begin to look at those kind of grammatical differences, you'll notice very interesting. Uh, a lot of people kind of it's kind of what we talk about sometimes glossing over even the way the tenses are used, you know, the difference between the past tense, present tense, future tense. There are even different forms of the past tense in, in Greek, and we use different forms of the past tense in our language. We even use different ways of talking about the present, present tense. You know, all those, when we begin to pay a little bit more attention to the grammar, and again, Blue Letter Bible and some of those other resources, commentaries can help call attention mm-hmm. to some of those things. So, yeah. What else? 
Go ahead. Was there, is there anything else that you you do in, in mm-hmm. preparation then? Kind of going back to the commentary things, you know, I do look at a variety of commentaries. I don't just have one. Sure. Typically, if I'm going to jump into a study like with the Hebrews, I had two different commentary books and I also got a Kindle version one. You know, I, I, to, to right. understand, right. understanding, again, educate. I'm always looking at where they went to school. <laughs> you know, when I buy a book on Amazon, reading yeah. the, the author bio and um, looking, you know, I look at reviews and stuff. So, Sure. No, that was just one of the other things is, is you know, and we've talked about this before, is trying to, again, you know, for me, it's been a recent thing. And this, especially like as I'm reading, you know, Paul or, you know, it's rhetorical, like that, that there's this is being spoken yeah. out, out loud is, again, it's coming back to not just reading it in a section of a chapter, but kind of going, is this the introduction? Like, where is this and where does this fall in the story of right. all this? I know. So thinking about trying to think through how this would have been like a sermon, you know, like someone yeah, would have been how it would fit together, yeah, how people would have heard it. Yeah, different, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's... Narrative Narrative is the same way. I think, you know, when we're looking at the Gospels and we see what, what the narrative is doing, I think it's an important important part of, of what we're doing. Well, cool. Those are all, those are, I think those are great, great things that, that you do in preparation. And, and that's my point is, I mean, being a small group leader isn't just a simple thing. You need to, need to put some work into it. One, one thing you mentioned, I thought was really interesting. You talk about doing the chronological Bible and then you're studying these smaller sections. And that's the other thing I would always say when I'm teaching a class, I always say it's good to, to study small sections of scripture in depth while at the same time reading larger sections of scripture rapidly. And I think you begin to notice some connections in that way. The other thing is that I think has been very important in my own study is understanding history and understanding culture. And I know part of that you're, you're getting from the commentaries and those kind of things, mm-hmm. but those are some important things as well. Where, where does this fit historically? You know, it's a big difference between, you know, time of King David, if you're in an Old Testament passage, for example, or maybe the time of King Hezekiah, you know, what, what, what's going on? Or Daniel would be another example, you know, Daniel and Isaiah. These are two different time periods. What's, what's happening in world history? What's, what's the connection here in that? And then culturally, you know, I, I was, you know, I preach on Sundays and I was preaching the Good Shepherd passage and just understanding the you know, cultural practices of a shepherd. There's a guy named Kenneth Bailey that's written a really interesting book about, you know, first century practices and those kind of things. And some of those cultural understandings are really important. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I always, I always talk about when we, when we talk about some of these things, some of these, let's call them Bible study tools or or things that we would do in, in order to approach scripture, it can become overwhelming because I, I get it. I mean, we've all got lives, we've got yes. jobs, you've got, you've got young kids. My kids are out of the house and grown, but, but we begin to think, how can I do all this every week? You know, how many hours a week am I mm-hmm. supposed to spend on preparation? And, and the encouraging thing I always try to say is I say, do what you can, right? Don't, don't let it discourage you from just, well, I don't have any time. So I'm just going to kind of throw up my hands and walk in and, and we'll, we'll just wing it. I think do what you what, do what you can. And here's the thing that I found is it's a discipline, right? And the, the more we discipline ourselves to do this, over the long period of time, it's not it's not just a short thing. It's it's a long process. You'll find it's interesting how much those begin to build on themselves and things. Maybe you studied this word. You know, the, all I got time to do is to study this one Greek word that that is seems to be really important in this text this time. It was repeated six times, and I really need to understand what it is. So you, you dig in. I've got a half an hour, so I'm going to dig in and try to understand this word well. Well, then. A few weeks later, you run into that word again, and you think, oh, I've, I've already done my homework here, right? I've mm-hmm. already done uh, what's necessary. And so it kind of builds on itself. 
uh, like you said, when you start a study on the book of Hebrews, you, you do some upfront work that will help you throughout the entire book then. And, and I think that's true of, of anything. It, it builds on itself culturally, the, historically, when we begin to understand things historically, then we'll come later, maybe a month or two months or a year later, we, we come across something else that reminds us, oh, that's that historical period. That's that king we were talking about there. And that's important for me to know. So I think I, I think all those kind of things build on themselves over a period of time. So that's my encouragement. Do what you can. Don't just give up and say, I can't do it all. Do what you have the ability to do, what you have the time, the the, the uh, freedom to do, and then it, it, you'll find in the long run, I think it'll it'll pay off. When we did the the chronological day by day Bible last year, it was like you know it's every day. You know you're, you're coming into this every day, and so one of the things for us, and and it's kind of carried over for me is, and this has nothing to do with the Bible or anything like that, just like a <laughs> hack, I guess, is, you know, for me, it was intentionally putting time on my calendar, say, I'm going to yeah. spend this time to do this, Absolutely. you know, and even if it's 15 minutes and if it's at the end of the day. So when it comes to this point, I know I've allotted this time for this purpose. You know, it's so easy just to get into the, oh, I don't have time for it. Well, no, if you actually sat down and looked at your day, you did have time for it. You just chose something right. else to do. Anyway, that's a totally separate topic no, about re- reading the Bible, one. but just, you know, just sitting down and as you said, doing what you can. And that doesn't mean you can do everything. Like I, I've said before in some of these, I feel dumb as I go like, and I don't really feel dumb. I just realized the depth of the knowledge that I don't have. I could just read and read and read and read and read, right. and there'd still be things left to read. And so, you know, sure. making the most of your time and that nothing, the time that you spend will bear fruit. That's absolutely right. When we trust, trust God, we trust that, that, you know, we'll, we'll be led to the right things. And I was going to, since you said that last thing about the discipline, I, I was going to use this uh, earlier. One of my favorite authors is Eugene Peterson. Just a really good writer and usually gets at some things that really seems relatable to me. And years ago, this is, years, this is when I was in college, okay? I read this as a textbook, but it has stuck with me. And the, just the title of it is so, so meaningful. It's on the Psalms of Ascent is what he's, he's writing about, Psalm 120 to 134. But he wrote a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Mm-hmm. And that's that idea of it's not something that's quick. It's a, it's a long obedience in the same direction. And then his subtitle is Discipleship in an Instant Society. And you got to remember, this is back in the 80s when I read it, okay? Way back, you know, we used to, I don't know, back when Pac-Man was still- MTV was just coming on the scene. They used to play music on that. Did you know that? (laughs) I um, thought it was all Jersey Shores. (laughs) (laughs) It's always been that, right? But anyway- the, you know, all the way back then, way back then, you know, before we didn't even have, you know, nobody ever had the internet, you know, the internet mm-hmm. wasn't even on computers yet, but the, you know, it was an instant society then, but think about how it is now. I mean, we expect stuff like this, you know, mm-hmm. we didn't have, we didn't, we never had Wikipedia, you know, back then, Ryan, <laughs> we, we had to go, we had these things uh, called lot libraries that we would go and we'd look up stuff in the encyclopedia, mm-hmm. but you know, it, it's, it's an instant society and that's not, there's a way there's a part of it that is antithetical to the to the eternal nature of the christian life which is which is a long obedience in the same direction it's it's the end to the end of our lives we're we're being obedient so i think that's that you know i, I think you're you're right you put the time in and over over the over the long time maybe not this week maybe not next week but it it bears fruit over the long term and we begin to see a difference in ourselves that makes us more able to do what God has called us to do, I think. So, yeah, absolutely. 
Is there anything else you think that I wonder? Is there anything different? Yeah, was there anything different that you do? You know, you talk about teaching a Sunday school class. Is there anything different that you do that you think would be fruitful for us to to, to hear about? I, I, I mean, it's pretty much. I mean, the you same know everything. You don't have to do the study. You know everything. <laughs> That's not. I don't know everything. I'm, I'm teasing. It. It's a joke. It, it's. <laughs> It's very, it's a very similar process. Here's the difference is I, I, I do think, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not, it's not, has nothing to do with smarts or anything, but I have devoted myself for a long period of time to the intense study of particular parts of the scripture. And over the long, again, over the long term, not, you know, a year or two years or whatever, but over the long term that has, that has borne fruit. And, and so there are things that I recognize. There are things that I know, things that I understand. I, I would say, I mean, everything you've said is absolutely the kind of things that I do. The the one thing I'll mention, and you you said it, you you said I want to see how this fits in with the whole of Scripture, and I think that's something for me. Whenever I'm teaching a lesson, I want to make sure to to come in strong to say this is how this fits in with this overarching story that we have in Scripture, because I think that's what's too often missed. Mm-hmm. We we read these little chunks, and that's why I say to students, read you know, study little parts in depth but read the whole story because that whole story is kind of what gives the the context gives the meaning to that to that smaller chunk we're we're studying but it, it's kind of, it is kind of a circular nature though right because mm-hmm. that the the whole story informs that small chunk but that small chunk is a part of the overarching story but it's it's kind of a cool kind of a cool thing when you begin to see those connections and you begin to to understand I look for, I use the term metaphor a lot. I look for images and think about the way that language is used. And that's the same kind of thing that you're talking about. A lot of times we'll get these in, in commentaries, but you know, what, what really is the message being gotten across here? You know, it's funny how things change over time too. Language changes over time. Uh, I, I was told you I was preaching just a couple of weeks ago on the idea of the good shepherd. And, and it just occurred to me, I, I spent a little bit more time than normal probably on, on the study. I'm talking about length of time, a few more weeks ahead of time. I started studying for that, that um, particular sermon. And it occurred to me that to, to have a good shepherd, we have to be good sheep, right? Yeah. And, and, and the problem is in our society, in, and particularly right now in our, in our current context, People are using sheep in a derogatory term, right? They're saying sheep are blind followers, and and we we use that in a in a negative way, right? Mm-hmm. And and it, it occurred to me that I had to address that because the problem there isn't isn't that we are being trusting followers. The problem is that we need to make sure we're following the good shepherd, and that of course is what John ten says. He says, "My sheep." hear my voice. They don't listen to the voice of a stranger. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so it's not, a. So it's kind of sounds funny to say again, you get what I'm saying though. Yeah, when we absolutely. say sheep, it's, it's negative, right? but, but my problem is not that, you know, in fact, I think we're sometimes lousy sheep. <laughs> we're, we're always trying to, you know, what is, what does the Isaiah say? We're like sheep that have gone astray. Right. Yeah. Right. Each of us has gone to our own way when really a sheep's purpose is to follow the shepherd. And so the problem's not that we're sheep. The problem is to make sure that we're listening to the voice of the good shepherd, not the thieves and the robbers, not all who've gone before him, but the one who who is willing to lay down his life for us. And there's a there's just a historical. And I've said we'll talk about that sometime, but historically, John ten is so important that 
that that took place at, you know, John only tells us about halfway through the story that it was the feast of dedication, which is we, what we call Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about the intertestamental period before, but it's a time where they remembered where the Jewish people in the first century were remembering. It's not an Old Testament story at all. It's an intertestamental story, but they remember this group of kings who released them from foreign oppression. It was, it was a nationalistic celebration. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus stands up in the middle of that, and he uses the, the most commonly used image or metaphor for leaders, for, for leaders, which is shepherd. And he says, I am the good shepherd. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, think about that. It's not, he's not just saying, I, I don't think he's just saying, you know, there have been bad shepherds in the past. There have been good shepherds in the past, right? Mm-hmm. He's saying all of them at the end of the day were only concerned for themselves, right? They were not concerned for the flock. And he says, but I am the one who's willing to lay down my life for the flock. And I say it's the same for us in a, in a way today. I don't want, I mean, I'll never want to get political here, but, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, a lot of times the focus today is upon the leaders that we're following, right? And, and I think really the problem isn't we're following this leader or that leader. The problem is we're not following the good shepherd and, and placing our trust in, in him because <laughs> all others all others who have come before are thieves and robbers. They're not, they're not interested in the, in the good of the flock as much as they say, Wow, <laughs> maybe that, maybe that's a little cynical. But <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, everybody- that's what I think. That's what I think Jesus, but here's the interesting thing. I think that's what Jesus is saying to the first century Jews. I'm, I'm not talking about today necessarily. Although when you talk about application, I think right. it applies, but to, to the people of that day, it'd be like standing up on the 4th of July. And saying you really want independence, I'll give you independence. Right? Mm-hmm. It's saying that the, the the people that you have looked to to be your leaders in the past have not have not followed through. They've not they've not come through when you've needed them the most. And he says, I am different than that. I will I will do that. And so that's that's I think the good news about Jesus is he's a he's a shepherd that is worthy uh, of that authority. Uh, Book of Revelation, since you mentioned it earlier, I'll, I'll, I'll say the image, and I didn't get to use this in the sermon, so that's why I'm sharing it now, I guess, yeah. is we have this lamb who is a shepherd, it, it, that image we have in the Book of Revelation, which is a fascinating idea that he he can shepherd us well, right, because he has been a part of the flock. Uh, he understands what it's like to be where we are. And, and so he's able to lead us well and we can trust him in that. So, Wow. A lot there. Yeah. I'd be interested in, in anybody who's listening, who's a teacher or a, a small group leader, I'd be interested in what they do to prepare. If there's anything we, we didn't mm-hmm. think about or some other, other ideas out there. I mean, we're constantly looking for new things that we can appropriate and use and help us in our understanding as well. So absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate it. Appreciate your being a small group leader. I think it's an important role. Yeah. And we didn't even talk about the stuff you talked about with your kids, but I think that's great too. Very important. Part of what we're called to is to, to lead our families well also. So I think you're, you're doing well to do that too. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Brian. Uh, Thanks for your time. And we will chat again soon. Look forward to the next time. See you later. See you. Bye. Well, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. Next week, Brian and I are talking about the book and topic that led us to start the podcast. 
The book I called Brian about is called Justification, and it was written by N.T. Wright, whose name we have mentioned several times. This is a heavy topic and one that comes with its fair share of controversy. The Bistro is a place of conversation, and that's exactly what we are going to do on the topic and definition of justification. We hope you will join us for that. You can find show notes, links, and more at thebiblebistro.com, as well as sign up for our email newsletter to stay in touch, but also to get some exclusive content. We are putting the finishing touches on our video about using the Blue Letter Bible that should go out in the next week. But that video is exclusively for those who have signed up for our email newsletter, so make sure you do that. You can find us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Bible Bistro. And as always, you can subscribe to us on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Just search for Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday.